Welcome to the West Virginia Writers Podcast, a service of West Virginia Writers Incorporated, the Mountain State's largest all-volunteer nonprofit organization dedicated to writers. Established and incorporated in 1977, West Virginia Writers continues to support writers and writing statewide through program sponsorship, an annual writing contest, and an annual summer writers conference. This podcast is dedicated to promoting the organization, its members, and events, as well as writers throughout Appalachia and beyond. And now, here is your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Thank you, Gertrude, and hola, listeners. Welcome to Episode 66 of the West Virginia Writers Podcast. I am your host, Eric Fritzhughes. Well, today's podcast marks not only the first podcast of the new year, but being as how it will be uploaded on January 2nd of the new year, it also coincides with the opening day for submissions for the West Virginia Writers Annual Writing Contests. Now, in order to get the most out of this particular podcast, which is going to be about said contest, I highly suggest that listeners have copies of our two contest entry forms on hand for reference, or at least whichever one you intend to enter. In order for you to do so, you need to first print some out. The forms for both the Adult Writing Contest and our new Mountain Voices Student Writing Contest, in addition to being found in our upcoming newsletter, can also be found in both PDF and doc formats at the West Virginia Writers website, wvwriters.org, as well as our podcast page, podcast.wvwriters.org. And as usual for our contest podcast, I have a special guest to help me explain the details of it. He's a former secretary and former president of West Virginia Writers. And if you've been to our summer conferences, chances are pretty high that you've seen him as part of the Friday Night Entertainment. In addition to being a writer and a playwright, he's often seen as an actor with the Greenbrier Valley Theater in Lewisburg, West Virginia, and will be seen as both an actor and playwright in their upcoming New Voices Play Festival later on this month. Joining us via telephone from his home atop a hill in Greenbrier County is our contest coordinator for 2013, Eric Fritschews. Glad to be here. Before we get to the descriptions of the contest categories for 2013, I'd like to talk first about the contest in some general terms. Now, I would wager that a lot of people don't know the history of this contest. Eric, what can you tell us about it? Well, Eric, the contest began in 1982, so if you can do the math... That would make this year 31, right? Right you are. In preparing for this podcast, I was having a look back at some of the winners of the previous 31 years. And if you do this, what you see is a lot of names of writers who have gone on to become the major writers in our state for the latter half of the 20th century and now on into the 21st. An amazing collection of writers. People like uh, the founder of West Virginia Writers itself, Shirley Young Campbell, we have Barbara Smith, Norman Julian, John and Llewellyn McKiernan, Mark Defoe, Mary Lucille DeBerry, Jean Batlow, Wilma Acri, Laura Tracy Bentley, Belinda Anderson, Edwina Pendarvis, Pinckney and Laura Benedict, Marie Manila, Earl Keener, Ethan Fisher, Anna Smucker, and so many more. I just went back over some of the classic winners list reprinted in our contest collections of the past and was just astounded at the names of the writers who were there, many of whom I've come to know through my involvement with this organization. And just so you don't have to toot your own horn, I believe you also have been a previous contest winner, have you not? 
Well, Eric, that's kind of you to mention, but I've only won a small handful of awards during my 10 years or so as a member of West Virginia Writers. But there are writers who have won literally dozens of times, and they tend to be in the upper echelon of the literary community of the state. I'm not quite in their league yet. That said, it'll be at least another year before I could even consider entering the contest being that's how I'm the coordinator this year. The number of categories and the amount given for cash prizes has changed over the years of the contest, but at this time we're awarding around $5,850 total in cash prizes for the 13 categories of the adult contest. Now, each of those 13 categories will have a first, second, and third place winner, first being $250, second place $125, and third place $75. How much would you say we've awarded since 1982? I'd say that was to the tune of well over $120,000. I don't have the specific figure, but if you just do the math that generally we give around $5,800 each year, that's what it would meet. And that's just for the adult contest. We're also offering $575 in prizes for the New Mountain Voices Student Contest, which will also have first, second, and third place winners in three different age group categories first place being $100, second place $50, and third place $25 for that contest. The contest itself has also undergone a variety of changes over the years as far as who is eligible to enter it. So before we get into talking about the categories of the adult contest, let's spell out the eligibility requirements. Eligibility. Entrant must be a West Virginia resident or a current member of West Virginia Writers Incorporated. Entries must be original work of the entrant and must comply with the category descriptions, limitations, and procedures. Works that have won a cash prize in any past West Virginia Writers annual spring competition are not eligible. Published works or those accepted for publication prior to January 1, 2013 are not eligible. A work will be considered published if it has been printed in a publication with a distribution of 1,000 or more, or if it has been published on a web page that has received or could receive 1,000 or more viewers annually. However, if less than 25% of the entry has been published, it will be considered unpublished. There is no eligibility age limit. So now that that's plain and clear, let's go ahead and talk about the adult competition this year. What are the categories? Well, Eric, let's list some of the standard categories we carry over from year to year before we get to the returning or new categories we're offering for 2013. Long poetry is poetry that is at least 21 lines and up to four pages in length in any form. Short poetry is poetry that is shorter than 20 lines in any form. Short story, which of course would be fiction, short fiction, up to 5,000 words. Nonfiction, which is up to 5,000 words of nonfiction, which could include articles, essays, or memoirs. And writers who have not previously won a cash prize in the contest and who have not been published in a publication with a circulation greater than 5,000 copies are eligible to enter our emerging writers categories. These are among our standard categories simply to offer a way in for less experienced writers. And continuing this year, we have emerging writers poetry and emerging writers prose. The poetry can be any form of poetry up to four pages in length, and prose can be up to 5,000 words, either fiction or nonfiction. And continuing this year, we're dedicating the Emerging Writers Poetry Award in honor of F. Ethan Fisher, who was one of our former board members and a beloved poet from the Shepherdstown area who passed away last year. And the other remaining category that is standard from year to year is book-length prose, which can be fiction or nonfiction, 
and you can submit up to 7,500 words and a one-page synopsis. So you're not submitting the entire manuscript. You're just submitting 7,500 words and a description in a one-page synopsis of the entire work. And this one is a little different because whereas we charge $10 entry fee for most categories, this one has a $12 entry fee due to the additional word count. Now each year we also have special topic categories where we pick a topic and writers can submit pieces based on that. For the topic categories though, we don't limit things to prose or poetry, fiction or nonfiction. These are categories that tend to rotate from year to year as well. But one that we have traditionally offered each year is Appalachian writing. Being as how we're in West Virginia in the middle of the Appalachian region, it's a good fit. And many of the people who are members of West Virginia Writers have stories set in Appalachia, of course. Once again, this can be up to 5,000 words, prose or poetry. Another topic category that we haven't done since 2010 is inspirational writing. This can also be prose or poetry, up to 5,000 words. And it's a category that used to be fairly standard from year to year, but we've given it a couple of years off and are glad to see it return. Naturally, this is going to be on a spiritual or inspirational theme. And one of the other categories that tends to do round robin every other year is screenplay, and that has come back this year. This is for all lengths of screenplay, so it could be scripts for short films or scripts for full-fledged feature movies. But we're calling this the Joe McCabe Memorial Script Award after one of our beloved members, Joe McCabe, who passed away in 2007. So if you're a filmmaker or know any filmmakers or even student filmmakers from West Virginia, this would be a good one to submit to. Now, I know what you're saying. Many of you are probably screaming, what about the children's books? Isn't this supposed to be one of the standard categories? Yes, it is, and it continues to be so. But we've made some changes to it this year. For children's books, we're limiting this category to picture books and first reader books. In other words, we've removed the middle grade and young adult novels from the category altogether, so it's pretty much just picture books and first reader books. The other major change to this category is that for the first time in my memory at least, we're allowing artwork to be included with the submissions as an option. In years past, we have not allowed any artwork to be submitted on the grounds that most publishers prefer to assign their own artists to manuscripts they accept. But every year, people do ask if they can send it anyway. And we've had to tell people, no, it can't be considered in the judging. Well, this year, not only is artwork an option, but if you do send artwork, it will be included in the judging, along with the rest of the manuscript. So in other words, it would be imperative for children's book writers to make sure that the artwork they send is up to par if they're going to include it, no? Exactly. If you have a semi-professional artist backing you up, you're probably going to be in good shape. But if you let your three-year-old do the illustrations, maybe you might think twice about sending in those drawings. Maybe keep them on the fridge instead. Because if you do send art, it will be part of the judging. Now, I know a lot of folks who entered the contest also write young adult fiction, and you just said that you removed that from the children's book category. It's a hugely popular genre right now. Are they going to be left out in the cold? Not at all, Eric. Young adult and middle grade have actually been split into a separate category on their own, so they're no longer competing with the children's books. And it allows us to kind of tailor it, because you'll have a judge who will specialize in children's books and a judge who will specialize in young adult and middle grade. We think that's, that's a little, little more fair. 
something we're just trying different this year. The books themselves for the young adult and middle grade categories may be any length, but we ask that writers choose the best 5,000 words from their work to send, as well as a one-page synopsis of the entire story. The final category we're offering is also a returning category, but it is special because it's a collaboration with the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation that's based in Hillsborough. The Pearl S. Buck birthplace preserves the birthplace home, of course, of the author Pearl S. Buck, who was a West Virginia native. She eventually went on to rise to international recognition as a Nobel Prize winning author. And she was known for writing that was designed with the hope of bringing about social change by exposing people to places and concepts that they might otherwise never encounter. Last year, the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation approached us about sponsoring a category in the contest that would be open to writers who were kind of following in Pearl S. Buck's footsteps of writing for social change. So this category is open to that exact thing, writers who would like to bring about some kind of social change through their work. They can submit nonfiction or poetry up to 5,000 words on a topic related to social change. And while we're on that topic, Eric, um, one of the things we're going to do with the podcast in the upcoming weeks is talk to representatives of the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation about this category and about the uh, work that they do as an organization. And that's going to be in a future podcast. Let's talk about the fee structure for the contest. Has it changed any? No, we have not changed it for a few years now. It's $10 per entry, except for the book-length prose category, which is $12, because it does involve works of a larger word count. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, the contest is now open for entries, being as how we're past January 2nd. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the uh, traditional time that this contest will be open for submissions. Yeah, glad you asked about that. Uh, Traditionally, the contest begins accepting entries January 2nd and runs through March 15th. Then from March 16th through March 31st, we continue to take entries, but we do add a late fee of $2 per manuscript. So it's kind of our way to encourage people to get their submissions in as early as possible so they can avoid the late fee. But if they want to wait till the last minute, like I almost always used to do when I was submitting, they can pay the $2 per manuscript. And many people consider that an added bonus donation toward West Virginia writers. We'll have some frequently asked questions about the contest and how it works, but let's save that for the end. Right now, let's talk about our New Mountain Voices student contest. Sure thing. This is the annual writing contest for students in grades 1 through 12. And Eric, what are the age groups involved here? The age groups are broken up for grades 1 through 5, grades 6 through 8, and grades 9 through 12. And each of those three age ranges will have a first, second, and third place prize. How does it differ from the adult writing contest? In several ways. Uh, For one thing, it's free to enter. And for another, the contest is structured a bit differently. Instead of choosing from a list of styles of writing, such as prose or poetry or screenplays, etc., students can instead choose from a list of six topics and write on one of those topics. So they could write in poetry or regular prose in essay form or in short story form, fiction or nonfiction, but they would stick to one of those topics. And when we first started this contest, these students had to pick from a topic that was designed for their own age group. So usually we would have say, three topics per age group. But what we found was that many students experienced a condition that is known as topic envy and instead wish to write on a topic outside of their age group. 
and because it wasn't in the rules, we couldn't allow them to do that until last year when we decided to just open it all up and have six available topics that anybody could write about. And that's what we're continuing to do this year. What are the topics for this year? Well, the board of directors put our heads together and came up with this list of topics during our board retreat back in September. The first one is Stories from the Great Storm, which is kind of inspired by the Show storms that affected the entire state this past summer. We asked students the question, how did it affect them, and what is their storm story? When we came up with this one, the memories of those storms were still pretty fresh in our minds, but scarcely a month after we decided on this, the state got hit with some of the edge of Hurricane Sandy, which dumped a lot of snow and knocked a lot of limbs down and creating more power outages across the state. My particular area wasn't hit very hard, but there were certainly others that were, so students may choose to write about either great storm, really either the Derecho storms or they could write about the Hurricane Sandy storms. Last year we also did a category called Diary of a Superhero as one of the topics, but this year we changed it up and it's now Diary of a Pirate. So avast in yeehaw, you must write a typical day for a pirate. This is probably one that some of the younger grades might use from. Another new topic is High School Survival Guide, uh, which is to write a guidebook for surviving high school. Now. When we came up with that topic back in September, our thoughts were that this would be kind of a lighthearted look at the sort of day-to-day hardships endured by high school students and, you know, their advice to one another as to how to get around it, probably with a humorous bent. I imagine, however, that with the recent shootings in Connecticut, this category could potentially take on a whole new light, and we're basically going to leave it up to the students who are entering it to choose whether they want to go in that direction. It'll be interesting to see what kind of essays students may wish to write about it. We also have President for a Day, being as how we've just passed through an election year, we thought it might be kind of timely to do that. So we basically posed the scenario that through a strange series of events, the writer of this topic was somehow elected president in 2012, but only for a day. So we posed the question, what would you do in the job if given that job for a day? We also have two other topics that I was directly involved in proposing. One of these is the day aliens stole the blank. And we allowed the student writers to fill in the blank there. The scenario is aliens have stolen something vitally important. You get to decide what it is and what the consequences of its disappearance are. This was actually inspired by a book I read when I was a kid that I unfortunately do not remember the title of nor the author of. But it was a story about an alien invasion of Earth in which aliens wish to steal all of our potato pancakes. (laughs) And the main character is this lone kid who knew that the alien invasion was coming because he'd managed to pick up their radio transmissions through fillings in his teeth. So that was the inspiration for that, the day aliens stole the blank, and our student writers can fill in the blank on that one. However, if any of you out there listening to this find that Uh, description of that book I read as a kid familiar and you know the title or the author, I would love to know it now because I wish to find it and reread it. Yeah, I don't know the name of that book either, but it does sound fun. The other topic I proposed was Scared of the Goofa Man. And when I proposed this, it was almost as a joke because uh, without going into in-depth explanation, the Goofa Man is a creation of a friend of mine named David Smith. And David was always pretty vague as to just what the Goofa Man's deal was. 
And the only concrete information he would ever admit to was that the Kufa man lives in the woods. He's basically, at least I'm assuming, your typical mysterious legendary character akin to the boogeyman. But I thought the vagueness of it might let students fill in the gaps there. And so we proposed that they can write a topic scared of the Goofa Man. Legend has it that the Goofa Man lives in the woods. People are scared of him. Who is he and why is he so terrifying? Now, again, I, I pose that as, as half a, halfway as a joke to the board, but they took it and ran with it. They said it was great, so we're going to try it out. Scared of the Goofa Man. Again, any student in any of those groups can pick from any of the topics. But this year, we're also allowing students to just simply make up their own short story, essay, or poem. And they can choose any topic they'd like. They're not limited to the six that we're providing. We're basically just putting those out there to give some people direction in case they'd like to choose one of them. But if the student wishes to write something outside of those topics, we say go for it. Who is eligible to enter the new Mountain Voices contest? Any student in grades 1 through 12 who is a resident of West Virginia may enter this contest. Can entire classes enter? Yes. In fact, we encourage teachers to print these forms out and pass out entry forms to their classes. If they'd like to make it an assignment, that'd be great. Um, they can collect all the entries in class and send them in all at once. And again, it's free, so no one's out any money to do this except maybe for postage, but if you combine them all at once in one classroom and mail it in, then you're essentially saving on postage. Could entire schools enter? Certainly. That, that has happened in the past. We had a number of student winners last year that were from a particular school in a particular county, all because the school got behind this contest and, and sent in a bunch of entries. Can students enter in more than one category? Yes, there's no limitation as to how many categories they can enter in. As long as they're uh, sending in good work, they have a good chance. And really, that's how this whole thing's going to work. Students are basically going to send in their entries either on one of the six topics we've offered or they're going to make up their own prose or poem and send that in. Our judges are basically going to be judging who has created the best writing. It doesn't really matter what topic they choose. Students are going to be competing against other students in their own age group, and the only real criteria is who's writing the best work. Could the students enter the adult contest if they'd like? That question comes up every year, and the answer is yes. But students should keep in mind that the adult contest is not free to enter, and they're going to be competing with adult writers and will have to pay the adult contest fee if they'd like to do that. We have had some high school-aged winners of the adult contest over the years who were indeed good enough to compete with the adults, so it's not outside the realm of possibility. And lastly, if people have any questions about the contest, how, how do they get those answers? They're certainly welcome to contact me. Um, the email address they should probably use is wvwcontest at gmail.com, which is a much easier address to spell than my own personal email address that has my unpronounceable and unspellable last name in it. Now, before I let you go, Eric, uh, maybe you can speak to some of the common pitfalls of the contest and some of the rules we have in place that people would need to pay attention to. Sure thing. Uh, a lot of the things that mess people up in the contest are due simply to not paying attention to the details. For instance, we all want the entries in both of our contests to be judged blindly so that the judge never has any idea of the identity of the author of any given entry. So you therefore cannot put your name on your story. Your name will be on the entry form that you send along with your story, and then I, the contest coordinator, will arrange all of that here. 
keeping track of what entries go to what authors. But the judges will never, ever see the names of the individual authors. Yet each year, at least one person sends in manuscripts with their name proudly printed on the front page, and then we have to contact them and get them to resubmit the front page in order to follow the rules. I can also speak from personal experience that in a previous year, I myself paid to enter four stories in the contest, but then only actually sent three stories with my submission form. Our previous contest coordinator then had to track me down to see what story I meant to include, and then I had to send that to her. So not paying attention to details often causes extra work for everybody involved. So we're encouraging people to pay attention to the details early and often. So you would say it's very important to read the instructions for this contest? Very. Have people ever been disqualified before for making such a mistake? Yes, but it's only in extreme cases. Most of the time, our contest coordinators catch errors that would disqualify a work when it comes into them. And then we try to make every effort to communicate with the writers to fix any issues. But, of course, that involves the writer putting down all their contact information correctly on the form. How important is it to put a word count on each entry? Well, many of the entries do have a word count limit, so it is part of the rules. If I found an entry that needed a word count and didn't have one, I would try to contact that entrant to get the sort of thing fixed. And that usually can be done by email, but it is in the rules. So leaving it off would be an example of a writer not paying attention to said rules. Will winners be notified in advance of the awards banquet so they'll know if they should come or not? Yes and no. Uh, New Mountain Voices student contest winners are notified in advance in case they would like to come and be acknowledged at the banquet. But the first chance adult winners will have to learn if they have won is at the awards banquet itself. You don't have to be present to win, of course, but we do welcome all entrants to come to the banquet to find out for sure, or even attend the conference itself, which is a great deal of fun. But again, it's not necessary. We announce the winners online the day after the banquet anyway. And can entrants contact the judges in any way? No, they may not. In fact, contacting a judge regarding a contest entry is one of the few things that will immediately disqualify a writer in this contest. We're very serious about that. The judges are to know nothing about the people who are entering this contest in order to keep this fair. Well, Eric, thank you for joining us on the podcast today and taking time out of your schedule. I'm sure we'll be talking to you about this contest in the weeks to come. Anytime. You know where to find me. Eric Fritchews can be found online at MrHerman.com. His play, A Game of Twenty, can be seen at the New Voices Festival of Community Plays that will run January 18th through the 19th and January 24th through the 26th at the Greenbrier Valley Theater in Lewisburg. He will also be acting in the play, Occupy My Mind, by Christian Gigenbach during the same festival. This will not be the last of our contest podcasts, of course. Another one is in the works featuring an interview with Jolie Lewis of the Pearl S. Buck Birthplace Foundation and former podcast guest Edwina Pendarvis. We'll be talking about the Pearl S. Buck Award for Social Change category in our contest. In the meantime, you can find out more information about the annual contest plus entry forms at our website, wvwriters.org slash contest.html, or simply at the podcast's website, podcast.wvwriters.org. 
And while West Virginia Writers distributes contest entry forms throughout the state, you could help us out a good bit by printing off a few yourself and leaving them in conspicuous places around your town. Libraries are often a great place to leave a stack, as are bookstores and coffee shops. Even better still would be area schools, particularly if you are a teacher with students. Each year we send out forms to every school in the state, but we often receive reports from teachers that they never saw them. So, if you are a teacher or if you know one, please share the New Mountain Voices student contest form with them and be sure to point out that it is free to enter. During today's show, I mentioned that the Emerging Writers Poetry Awards named in honor of poet F. Ethan Fisher. This past summer, West Virginia Writers honored three of our members who passed away in 2011 and 2012 at a memorial service during the summer conference at Cedar Lakes, and F. Ethan Fisher was one of those who had passed. Poet laureate Irene McKinney and former board member Richard A. Lewis were the other two members who left us in the past year. Our outgoing president, Kat Pleska, led the service, which also featured our new poet laureate, Mark Harshman, writer Tom Donnellan, myself, and musicians Kippen Martin and Talisha Williams. A video of this service has now been posted to the West Virginia Writers YouTube page and is also available on our blog and podcast pages. Please do check that out when you have a moment, because it was a touching service. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, whose albums can be found at cdbaby.com. This podcast is a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded atop a hill in Greenbrier County.